Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? It's Jared from The Corner Booth. Do you like living balls out? Oh, boy, do I have a spot for you. Over 200,000 customers happily agree Ballsy is the best place for men's grooming products for your man area. Free of BS chemicals like paraben and sulfate made right here in the U.S. of A. Go to Ballsy.com. Use promo code BELLYUPSPORTS, all capitals. Ballsy is an official sponsor of The Corner Booth Podcast and Belly Up Sports. You are now in the Corn Roof Podcast, a sports podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here is your host, Jared Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a throwback edition of the Corn Roof Podcast. I'm your main man, your host with the most draft, your draft thinks he's an expert. Jerry Clem, alongside my right-hand man, host of the Tailgate and the Quad Pod, and the o- and a Corner Booth OG, Mr. Kevin. Uh, it's just us today. This intern had a prior obligation, so I gave him the night off, obviously, because, you know, I'm not an asshole. And Pat also has the night off. So, me and Kevin are going old-school style today. We're doing offensive draft rankings. We've got sneaker news, gaming news, world news, and re- NFL retirements. So, let's get rock and rolling here. Uh, first off... Kevin, uh, you got latest headlines from the Derek Chauvin case. Yes, he was found guilty, that scumbag, on all three counts. Uh, guilty of second-degree murder, third-degree murder. and it, They labeled a second-degree accidental or un... It, was, it wasn't accidental, it's, but it was. It meant the same thing. Murder, which I don't get how you can have an accidental murder. It's, it's, a weird, it's a weird legal loophole. I, I took prac law. The whole the difference between first, second, third is just ridiculous. But no, I, I understand why they threw second degree at him. So we got second degree murder, third degree murder, and second degree manslaughter. Uh, that can carry a prison term of second degree man murder can get 40 years in Minnesota. Um, I think it's 25... <laughs> 25 for third degree and up to 10 for second degree was manslaughter. So uh, they have not done sentencing yet. They denied bail and he was taken back into police custody. Like immediately, right when, right when they announced the guilty uh, verdicts. I think it's they, all for also for his safety too. I feel like. No, uh, no, not. For denying bail isn't as much for that their safety because he can just leave if he wants. That's the concern. 
they will probably put him in solitary. Uh, it might end up being lower because he has no priors. But I don't think it should be. It doesn't really matter either it's way. At least they, 60. If they put him in gen pop, he's not going to last six weeks. Well, if they put him in solitary, days. he's going to be he's going to unalive himself in six months. So it's it's a good day. It's still sad though. I mean, someone died. Yeah, it, basically. It's nice that the courts didn't mess up this decision for once, but it, it's cause for celebration in the sense that maybe this could be a turning point, but it's not cause for celebration because someone's dead. Whatever they did, whatever decision w- was brought down, it was not going to bring George Floyd back, but it's still, it's a good day for justice at the very least. There yeah. is solace in that, and hopefully this becomes the new norm, not an outlier. Yeah, hopefully. Well said. Mom, no, no. I, I think today, I guess the best way to summarize is like, yes. So regardless of how you feel about George Floyd as a person, somebody died. That's somebody's parent. I'm like somebody's kid. Like, like at the end of the day, the charge is not going to bring him back, but it's the right stuff. Murder's murder. So there you go. All right. A uh, little more optim, little different news. We got news on the sneaker world. Uh, as of yesterday, Kobe Bryant and Vanessa, well Vanessa Bryant technically, um, and made did not renew Nike's con her contract with Nike for her husband, late husband Kobe Bryant. And as of today, Mamba Brand had a patent filed. So I texted all my sneakerhead friends. I am buying whatever the hell Vanessa pumps out. Did, so a lot of people saw this coming because before Kobe died, there were rumors he wanted to start his own apparel brand, own sneaker brand. Yeah. Have you heard some of the conspiracy theories though? Oh no, I have. And I told one to my mom last night. I was telling one to, because my friend was asked the other day. She was like, "You're a big Kobe guy, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, I love Kobe." Because she always sees me. I have Mamba mentality written on my sneakers. The day he died, I was like heartbroken. I like, but like I loved Kobe. She goes, "Hey, um, have you like you're a big Kobe guy, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." And, she, and then we, I told her about like the Nike conspiracy, how they had him off. And I'm like, it's so crazy. But in the world we live in, it's almost like it could be like some crazy ass movie. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not assuming anything. That, that's the that's the main one I've heard. That, I I I don't really buy it. Only for the sense that like if it was ever proven, Nike's credibility would be gone forever. So I don't buy it either. For but for a different reason. That's what I was talking about. Um. Nike has the means, they have the power, they have the money to find a bag man to do this for them and have no connection to it whatsoever. However, if Kobe wanted to start his own sneaker brand, that would take a couple of years to get done. Nike is was losing out on money without Kobe. Oh, yeah. Now, they did actually make a lot of money right after he died so many people wanted his shoes and then they could make it more exclusive. But in the long run, it, it wasn't going to work out. And it, especially so... Because, like, if Kobe had even said, like, oh, I kind of want to do this to his someone in his estate, Vanessa, whatever, they would go, oh, this is something he wanted to do. We should do it in his memory. Nike had a lot better chance of keeping Kobe Bryant around if they could convince him to stay on board. Like, we brought this up a couple months ago when the Grinch uh, Kobe sixes, which are, like, one of the most fit-loved Kobe's of all time, the lime green and red ones. They were. It was like his last great Christmas performance. I think he dropped like forty on. I think it was the Heat. Um, those were so exclusive. Even Vanessa Bryant said something like, "This is a load of bullshit." You're like depriving fans of like 
one of their favorite athletes gear. Like LeBron's aren't exclusive. You can get LeBron's anytime, anywhere. And nobody honestly wants LeBron, so it's whatever. But um I just it, yeah, it's sad it's sad. But I mean I, I honestly as a sneakerhead, I'm excited because I will buy anything Kobe if Kobe is behind something and if if it's got Kobe's backing, you know it's going to be good for the athlete and it's going to be a great product. So I mean, I'll, at least for balling it, I would definitely buy a pair. You can just support one of my favorite athletes and a fellow Eagles fan. So I'm all for it. Yeah, I also think they're whoever is designing these, whoever they get, is going to do oh, a good go- job. They're going to Tinker. I guarantee they'll go to Hayfield or they're going to the kid, the guy who did some of the early Kobe's for Nike. They're they're not going to mess around. They're they're going to make sure that they get a good designer. Because I think Tinker retired from Jordan. He did. He came back to do the Jordan 31 and the Jordan 32, I believe, or the 29 maybe. But then I think he re-retired. I feel like he'd probably come out of retirement for this. For Kobe, yeah. You know what I mean, they should do? Here's some free game for Mamba Apparel or whatever the mm-hmm. trademark is. Yeah. The men's line is called Kobe. The women's line is called Gigi. I think that might be in there because they did, they did, there was a patent of someone related to Gigi on the list. Okay, so, so, so Kevin's genius. Um, all right, two. Uh, you're not the, the marketing t- wizard anymore. Sorry. Yep. You guys can split that title. You guys have to fight it out for the wizard hat. Um, so, NFL news quick before we get into the draft. We have, actually, no, we'll do uh, the other one. So, that'll be the show drop today, by the way. I have it downloading right now. It's at like 90 something percent. I'm ecstatic. I'll probably play it until about one in the morning tonight. I'll probably take a break to, to take a break to play one of our Madden leagues, and I'll go back to playing the show. Um, Kevin, I feel like you and me are going to play a lot online, and we're going to yell at each other a lot online. Um, I'm trash at the show. I'm not. I oh, have. See, I'm, not I'm disgusting anything. at baseball. I, that's the one big sports game I'm good at. I can just. I. I used to average. Like I mean, I haven't played the show in a long time, but like 2K, I was disgusting. I mean, we can play so, later, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm bad. Oh no, I'm gonna be awful too. I haven't played the show since college when I ha- when it was like I think the show sixteen maybe I don't know. But it's but gonna no, be a fun time. Oh, it, it's so fun. Even though I'm bad at it, I love it. Um, what I like doing is it. It's not. I'm not one of those guys who has to get every trophy on every game. I'm just trying to have a good time. So I go to Road to Glory. It just a Road to the Show. It just put up the sliders all the way. Except they nerfed it, so before it'd just be a homer every time. Now it's not. But Big Daddy Daniels is a Big Daddy pitcher Daniels. slash second baseman. Otani style, baby. <laughs> That's what it they do in Road to the Show. They give you the option if you want to play both. That's sick. I might have to do like two franchises because usually I just play an outfielder. That's usually my that's my favorite position to play. But um. It's better, like in 2K, like playing outfield was always fun because you could just gun dudes out. But I might have to do like outfield slash pitcher. I might go full Otani. Might just be like a closer and a and a uh, and a right fielder, like I actually played in regular baseball. Um, that sounds awesome. You can actually do that. That's really cool. But I'm mean, yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to play tonight. I can't wait to use my Diamondbacks, even though they're gonna be absolutely dog shit. Doesn't matter. Um. I'm going to do a franchise mode where I, like, literally, like, win, win the World Series with them being absolutely booty. True. Yeah. All right. Retirement news. Connecticut's own Jordan Reed announced his retirement today. Played last year with the 49ers. Made one ridiculous catch last year, by the way. 
Uh, I look at Jordan Reed's career, basically, what could have been, because that dude was disgusting when he was good, when he was, like, healthy, but he was always injured. So it, it's kind of just become, like, a what-if kind of scenario. What, any thoughts on Jordan Reed? I feel like for the longest time, up until maybe 2017, because that's when he, he only played six games 2017, and at that point, the wheels really started coming off, but he was always either going to be the next phenomenal tight end and then a if he can stay healthy he's going to be a phenomenal tight end and then he just never stayed healthy and could never put it together either even when he played like 2018 he played 13 games but the injuries had taken their tolls he still had 84 or 54 catches on 84 targets for 558 yards but two touchdowns he had that one really good year and then just didn't capitalize on it going forward yeah, it, it's kind of sad. I mean, it mattered. He was disgusting. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of it really stinks because he was he had a lot of talent. Speaking of for, for like football players and stuff, they should put in a Madden ratings tab. Like you have early well, years, college career, professional career statistics. In between career statistics and personal life, they should have Madden ratings. Because I think he was like, who was it? Who was his break? Was this 2015 the year he was like disgusting? Uh, 2015, he, yeah, best year, 87 catches, 952 yards, 11 touchdowns. I think he was, like, a 93 that year or something ridiculous like that. But, um, anyway, another retirement. This one we kind of saw coming because no team kind of reached out for him for a backup role. Alex Smith announced his retirement today. I will petition to change the Comeback Player of the Year award to the Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year award. I don't think anybody else deserved to even sniff that award this year, much less win it. And when he won, it was like poetic justice. And the more and more that he comes out about the Washington football team, about how they tried to sideline him, it just makes me hate them even more. So regardless of how logistically it makes sense, I don't care. F Washington. Um, I, uh, you know what? Alex Smith is kind of an inspirational story. Dude basically was was at risk of losing his leg or even his life and comes back, plays, and gets Washington to the playoffs. So, yeah. There you go. I mean. Fuck whoever voted for Big Ben for that award this year, by the way. <laughs> Yo, straight up. It was probably some Pittsburgh beat writer who oh, won. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. I guess I know the Steelers extend Kevin's favorite head coach for another couple years. Oh, I hate Mike Tomlin. That's, that was the joke. I hate him so much. He might be my least favorite coach in NFL history. Hence the joke. <laughs> no, I, I get the joke, but, like, I just can't stand the dude. He whines about everything. He trips players on the sidelines. Still the craziest Thanksgiving of all time. Um, all righty. So, Kevin. We have held off as long as possible. Last year, we had nothing to talk about, so we talked, I think, about the draft like 54 times. Uh, we'll probably do a mock draft, I think, this Thursday, <clears throat> I think, on our live stream. Or the draft's next weekend, so yeah. Uh, yeah, so we'll probably do a little mock draft this Thursday, maybe a quick one. We're going to do position ranks for offense today and position ranks for defense next Tuesday with, with the intern back. He'll be moderating it. So... Me and Kevin were talking pre-show. I know how Kevin feels about it. Kevin on his Sky Report on Alabama players is very good. Rarely misses. 
he was very on point about Xavier McKinney last year. His, he was, I, I thought I was very on point about it. I really want to hear what he thinks about these receivers. Cause I am so confused right now as a team who's going to take a receiver. I, there's a guy I want. There's a guy I should want. And there's a guy I really don't want. And there's a guy I wouldn't meet mind. So we'll get rock and rolling here. Quarterbacks first on the board. Uh, Kevin, We'll do top five. Obviously, I think all the names are kind of the same for quarterbacks, but it's really just what order you have them in. So what is your order for quarterbacks? And we'll discuss. Uh, do you want me to go one to five? Five to one. Five to one. All right. I actually have to think about it now because I was just going to go. <laughs> that like knock off. Okay, sorry. Three off a little bit there. <laughs> five. I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go Zach Wilson with five. Okay. Uh, I don't like his arm strength. I don't like his decision-making because he has so much faith in his in an arm strength that's not there. He also played in high altitude. Another thing to remember. Yeah, and also, I mean, BYU, a lot of his got receivers were just better than defenders. I don't know how BYU got good receivers like that, but a lot of them were throw-ups, like 50-50 balls that were always under throw that his receivers just came down with. So I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be very good, at least for the start of his career. I would not take him at two. If I were the well, if I were the Jets, I would take him at two two because I want to see him twice a year. <laughs> J.C. Jackson's going to eat. Um, four. Give me Trey Lance at four. Okay. Not a lot of tape on him. Uh, I don't personally love FCS quarterbacks because of the skill level change. And it's not a knock on them. They're D1 athletes. They're better athletes than I will ever be in my life. But I and him sitting out, there's too many question marks to take him high. Yeah. Three, Justin, I have Justin Fields at three. I know I've been a big detractor of his, but he doesn't turn the ball over. Say what you want about his work ethic that might not be there. His throwing motion's all messed up. He's got to fix that. But he doesn't turn the ball over, and that's the bare minimum you can ask for an NFL quarterback, and he's the first one that I can confidently say he's not going to turn the ball over. That's one thing him and Trey Lance have in common. They're like Their streaks for lack of interceptions is ridiculously long. So, I mean, I, I it's one thing you want to appreciate. That's why I don't like Wilson, obviously. Continue. To Mac Jones, say what you want about the scheme and the Alabama <laughs> weapons, but he can throw a ball on a dime 30, 40, 50 yards downfield. He rarely misses on throws either. Oh, I did not see many throws this year where it was, oh, that was a bad throw, but Devontae Smith made a ridiculous catch. Yeah. The LSU one, that also wasn't a bad throw. He had no one open. He threw it where only Devontae Smith could get it. It's not necessarily a bad throw. It's just a ridiculous catch on top of it. It's a bad throw if the window is easily pickable. That's that's the only, that's my constitution of a bad throw. It's a bad throw and basically it should be picked, but some by some miracle it's not. That's the way I constitute it as. If I'm he gonna really... throw it high, he threw it only where Smitty could get it. I have no problems with that throw. That's also, good ball placement. That's good ball placement. He's also more athletic than people give him credit for, and he's so smart. What do you run a four seven seven? That's pro four seven nine. I think officially they gave cool. him a four eight three though, because the pro day forty times are all kind of messed, all kinds I mean, of messed up. Wentz, who was considered a mobile quarterback, ran a four seven seven. So I mean that four eight's not bad at all. Yeah, and. Uh, also, I mean, and I'm not comparing. The, well, I am comparing two, but I'm not saying they're going to be the same level. But Tom Brady's not mobile. Matt no, Jones I ran a faster 40. Shifting in the pocket like Tom Brady, except he's a little faster. Mm-hmm. And that number one and that everyone should have is the clear-cut number one quarterback, clear-cut 
number one player in this class. Trevor Lawrence, there are some concerns about him. Physically, he didn't get much better, but he couldn't. There wasn't much he could improve on from his freshman year. Uh, Intelligence-wise, he did improve. He improved on his decision-making. It it might take a little bit to break him of that I'm better than everyone. Not that he's a cocky. He is cocky, but I'm not saying that. Like, he just was the best player on the field 99.99% of the time he played in his life. Uh, But 6'6", 220. The comments about how he doesn't have no, he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. No one didn't, no one doubted him because I hate when quarterbacks do that. They're like the clear cut number one. They were a five star coming out of school. Like, oh, people doubted me. No, they didn't. It's like he's he's been quarterback messiah for the last three years. We've been waiting for this day. Everyone, every NFL writer, ever his first season at Clemson was my first year at Belly Up. I have been waiting for this draft preview. Kevin has been waiting for this draft preview. If Mark wasn't a bum and didn't leave, he'd be waiting for this draft. We've been all waiting for this. Trevor Lawrence, the NFL. It's been prophesized since year fucking one of him at Clemson. So I completely agree. Who is your sleeper? Sorry, sorry. I will say, though, his dad's comments do concern me a little bit. Yeah. His dad saying, like, oh, he doesn't need to win a Super Bowl. Okay, you don't want to hear that from the projected number one overall pick. I was gonna bring that up if you didn't in mind because that scared the shit out of me. If I'm if I'm if I'm Urban Meyer, I'm like, oh fuck, here we go. Like I don't quarterbacks not having a motor scares me. I, I don't need a receiver to have a motor because if he's fast and gets open, he gets he gets money. It's it's it, a running back needs a motor. Offensive line needs a motor. A defensive end just wants to kill somebody. That's fine. Certain positions you need that kind of chip. But also, Trevor Lawrence's father is not in his head. He doesn't know necessarily what he might infer based on how their conversations. However, I mean, Trevor Lawrence did win a national championship in college, so that's like, yeah. It, he's won. He knows how to win, so it's not super concerning to me what he said. My sleeper is Kellen Mond. In a lot of people have him as the sixth quarterback. Some people have Trask at six. I don't get that. <sighs> Uh, the draft network actually has Kyle Trask behind Davis Mills, their Stanford quarterback, which I find hysterical. Um, actually, so does CBS. Good. But Kellen Mond, he's going to be a bit of a project, but he's athletic. He he also doesn't really turn the ball over a lot. And if you can get him behind a guy, like let's say the Washington football team, they need they, they pick some pieces they need early on and then – Third round, like, oh, we don't like Heineke as our quarterback of the future. Ryan Fitzmagic doesn't have a lot of years left. Let's take Kellen Mond, have him sit behind Fitzmagic, and learn a bit. I agree with that. Um, For me, I'll wrap for this a little bit. My number five is Zach Wilson as well. Mm. I said this in our, in our friends' chat. His arm strength is so overrated. I watched him against... Um, Coastal Carolina was the glass-shattering moment for the aura that was Zach Wilson. That Coastal Carolina team was okay. They were a good team. But BYU, if Zach Wilson was that good, they should have stopped him. He looked lost. He looked like he was beat up, and he looked like he was, like, rattled. Um, His improvisation skills, they brag about that. They say it was Aaron Rodgers-like. All right, guys. um, The improvisation is what gets him into trouble. And ask Baker how the improving goes. Um. Guys in the NFL defensive ends and deep linebackers are hella faster than college ones. So, yeah, he's my number five. I just don't trust. I think 
I think if he went to a good team, like he went like late in the first round, I think he'd be fine. I think he went to like a Pittsburgh and sat behind Big Ben for a couple years or for like two years or maybe went to, uh, like you said, a Washington and kind of sat behind Fitzmagic. That's fine. But the fact he's going to New York, he's starting day one, that's a problem. So I think Zach Wilson's host here. Um, Number four, I have Justin Fields by a sliver over under Trey Lance. Because I think Trey Lance, I'll go in a second, but Justin Fields, my biggest issue is all the stuff you hear about him off field. The first, last one in, first one out, attitude issues, the fact that he was so hyped about his 40 time, all of his throws during his pro day were off his back foot, him falling away from the ball. We get you have a cannon, make a good throw with good footwork. I don't give a shit if you can throw it 50 yards off your back foot. So can Cam Newton, but half the time I don't trust him throwing the ball on field. So... That it's basically, and also uh, the Ohio State quarterback thing. As much as it's kind of just a fluke, it's kind of a weird coincidence. It's also something I can't ignore. And you go back to three years back when him and Lawrence were both coming out into college. Fields was the higher rated prospect, or at least they think it was on like some places. I don't know. They were talking about that. It was he was ranked higher than Lawrence for a little bit, even though that changed very quickly. Um, I just think Fields. I think he's a project guy too. I don't think if he starts day one, he's he's screwed too. Um, I think he's going to be a great player. I think he just needs to get to the right problem. That's why I have a number four. Number three, I have Trey Lance. As much as I know you're not a big fan of FCS guys, one of my favorite players for a long time was an FCS guy. I think the FCS moniker is starting to go away a little bit because that competition level is going up, I'm noticing. Not as much as it should, but it's get, it's getting better. I will say with Trey Lance, he doesn't turn the ball over. Got a good arm, good mobile. He runs hard for a quarterback, which scares me injury-wise. But I think he hit checks all the boxes physically. If he goes to a place where it isn't to start day one, namely <coughs> Atlanta um, or <coughs> San Francisco. Oh, sorry, I got some in my throat there. Um, he'll be fine. I think that's the biggest issue. If he goes to those places where he can sit for a year or 10, 15 games or 11 games, he'll be great. The problem is he cannot start day one. Number two is um mac jones kevin sold me on mac jones from day one i said this kid i i wasn't sold on this kid week one i'm like uh you sure alabama's gonna be this good and then i watched this kid light up teams against the best competition not like not like it's the big 12 and he's eating balls into five football seven on seven games he's throwing dimes yes jalen waddle and Devonte smith are Cheat codes in the SEC. That's fine. But you still have to get a guy who's going to get there. I even had receivers on their team say he's better than Tua, which honestly, I might buy that already. You guys know how I feel about Tua. He's got he's to earn my respect. I think he's got talent, but he's got to earn it for me. Mac Jones has the best arm in this draft. He's a pocket guy. And I believe, honestly, he's going to need a couple games to get ready. But he knows how to win, too. He knows how to not be an idiot with the ball. And number one, obviously, is, is Sunshine. Come on. We've been saying this for three years. If you think he's not the best quarterback in this class, you need to get your head checked. Um, also, about Lawrence, I'm worried about the motor. Uh, I want to see, see what happens when he gets hit with that first, like, he gets – so he plays in the AFC South, right? So when they play Indy and he's got Darius Leonard chasing him down from behind, he gets smashed into the ground. What does he do after? But – because he's not going to have the ACC refs to protect him anymore. So – 
we'll see what happens. But uh, that's our quarterback. My sleeper is Kellen Mond for the exact same reason that Kevin said. I think he's Justin Fields with more arm strength, less speed. Running backs. Now, this is where... Can I say something real quick, though? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, Shout out to... You said I sold you on Mac Jones. Shout out to Kyle at NotKDK3 and at the real Cruise Ox, Cowboy Cruise. That's his new name now? Are we really going with that? <laughs> I'm going to make some, so there's some pictures of him out there that I need to see. I um, need you need to send them to me because <laughs> I will roast him for days. I told you to follow his girlfriend on Twitter. I did. She said, okay, good. She said she'll release them at, I forget the number, but once you reach a certain follower count, Cowboy Cruise will become a thing. Uh, they were the leaders of the McCorkle fan wagon, yeah. and they're pulling that. They're still pulling it, and everyone's hopping on. Yeah. All right. We're doing running backs, my favorite position to rank. I Last year, the running backs, it was such a good class running back-wise. Think about it. Every running back that came out last year, at least in the top first three rounds, was great. John Taylor, even DeAndre Swift was great. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire kind of fell down at the end, but me and Kevin, you, me and you kind of predicted that because I thought his game was kind of one-dimensional. Um, I also thought he was drafted way too fucking high. Um, so we'll just do running backs. I'll lead off here. My number five is Michael Carter out of North Carolina. I hear you. I hear you. I get it. Oh, my God. Him and Javante Williams are so good. They had a good offensive line and good receiver. North Carolina basically was just built to beat up on teams, like running the football. I think I think Carter's problem is he's a little stockier. He's 5'9", 5'8", 199 right now. I think he's a good runner. I think he's going to be a good like change of pace back for a team with a speed back. Uh, I mean, for a team with a power back. Uh, Javante Williams is more of, the, of course, the power guy. He's 5'10", 220. They're both like three and four in my book. I just look at them like they're great running backs, but they're going to need to have a power or a speed back with them to be effective. Because that's how they were effective is you had to worry about both of them at the same time. As a team, as a fan of a team who got butchered by the two of them, and I literally wanted to drink myself to sleep that night after watching that abomination of a game. Um, Yeah, I'll put them three and four. Number three, it's four and five. They're basically the one's power, one's speed. They both got good vision. They both break tackles. Not really much to talk about. Running backs needs a position for me to break down. Kenneth Gainwell. All right. I love this kid's tape. He is so damn fast. His pro comp to me is Chris Johnson. He's so fast. And he hits the hole like a bullet. There's no hesitation. There's no shimmy step. It's one, two, downhill. And he's off. And he's the reason Memphis was so good this year. Their offense – and Memphis just produces running backs. Let's be honest here. Anthony Gibson, D'Angelo Williams, Henderson over in Los Angeles. They just they – they always have good running backs. So I love Gainwell's tape. It was the first tape I sent to Kevin because I was watching film on his back in February. I was like, this kid's fast as God hell. I think he's faster than Harris. He's definitely faster than ETN. He's the speed burner in this. I think that he is the third. I think he's the sleeper to be the best running back in this class. Um, number two is ETN by close margin. I love ETN's tape. I watched him live. I watched him dominate teams. ACC or not, he still was the best player on the field over Lawrence, in my opinion, in a lot of those games. Um, 
ETN's biggest issue to me is that he had a basically unbreakable offensive line when he was in college. Najee Harris did too, but Najee Harris's best stuff was after contact, where ETN's was, okay, I'm going to run through a cornerback and hit the gas. Uh, number one is Najee Harris by, if I was going to say one, and then Travis EA's, ETN's like 1D. <clears throat> Najee Harris gained my respect in that in the playoffs, hurdling dudes, running past dudes, trucking dudes, juking out dudes. Like Najee Harris is a, and then also driving to see his teammates participate in the pro day. I would have loved to see a forty time, but I know it would have been detrimental to him. I think wherever he goes, he's going to be a very solid running back. I don't know who to compare him to because there's not much a guy he's that athletic, that big, that quick. So I gotta put Harris at one. My sleeper is Chuba Hubbard. Why has this guy fallen so damn far? 152. He's a 12th ranked running back. Him and Jarrett Peterson are my two sleepers. The kid at Buffalo ran for eight touchdowns this year, by the way. Um, Peterson is a speed burner. I love his game. Very similar to Gainwell. But why I love Hubbard is Hubbard runs angry. He's a one cut back. And he's was he was the premier running back prospect up until he opted out. Him, him opting out this season basically tanked his draft stock. So whoever gets him in the third or fourth round is getting a fucking steal. Kevin, floor is yours. I honestly agree with your entire list. I I have Michael Carter, Javante Williams, Kenneth Gainwell, Etienne, and Harris because I don't love necessarily unless they're doing something extraordinarily special, like Josh Jacobs who had was a freak athlete. He could run guys down. I don't love necessarily taking guys high who are part of a two running back set. Jacobs' one issue to me was his 40 time, but we'll leave that alone. Yeah, he's not the fastest boy. But I agree. Um, Gainwell only played two years, only one year as a starter. That might be a concern, but with running backs, that's a position where it's not a concern. That just means less mileage on the tires. Travis Etienne, I, I'm not going to go through. Williams, Carter, and Gainwell, like you yeah. said everything I can say about them. Mm-hmm. ETN is going to be a very good running back. If, and this is a big if, if a team doesn't, if it, if the team that takes him is likes to pass the ball more, I mm-hmm. don't know if he can be the number one back in a run-first system. And that's all, but with Clemson, <laughs> while he was there, it was a concern that they would throw the ball. So you didn't necessarily have guys loading the box. I want to see how he can handle that. The only team, the team that struggled, like the, the biggest issue, and I always refer to the Miami game against Clemson because before the refs took over, that game was ugly. It was nasty. It was pouring rain. Miami looked like they were in Clemson's head. Lawrence was making bad decisions. ETN wasn't getting downhill. And after a couple of bad penalties, the floodgates opened. So, and also Miami's the most undisciplined team of all time. But like, it was like the refs were basically handing it to Clemson. Clemson looked rattled against a team like Miami who had no shot at being on the field with them. So that's my issue is I want to see ETN get drafted by a team not like Pittsburgh. I want Najee Harris to go to Pittsburgh, unfortunately. I'm sorry, buddy. I know how much you would hate that. But I think the best fit for Harris is the best fit for the Steelers is Harris, obviously. ETN to me is like Atlanta. Like have him with a power back as his number two and just let him roll. Um, can I go into my love for Najee Harris? I know. Also, who's your sleeper, by the way? It's Shubba Hubbard, too, right? Is you going to say or no? Uh, it was, 
just so I don't agree with you on everything. Yeah. I love Trey Sermon. Uh, he was a big part of Oklahoma when he was there, transferred to Ohio State. Came up huge. Oh, my God. Down the stretch. Runs so damn hard. Him being out for the national championship game made it more of a blowout. I, I don't think Ohio State would have won that game, but Trey Sermon would have made a difference in the scoreboard. Yeah. Uh, he, he was a monster to, down the stretch. So I think NET has seventh-ranked running back, so it's not really that much of a sleeper, but I think he's going to be good. Now, Najee Harris, the most complete back in this class. You need a guy to run for power? He can do it. You need a guy to run for finesse, maybe – Get a little wiggle out there. Jump over a guy. He can do it. You need a pass catcher out of the backfield. One of the things he improved at so much, he is phenomenal at it. You need a guy to block on passing downs that you don't necessarily want your running back running. You need some extra protection inside. Najee Harris can do it. And on top of all of that, the Steelers are in kind of a little transitional phase right now. Like, mm-hmm. I, I agree. The Steelers with Najee makes the most sense. I don't want to see it, but it makes sense. Big Ben might be retiring soon, and I don't know about his leadership, but there's a leadership vacuum. Najee Harris is a leader. He helped. He was the guy who went into Nick Saban's office and's like, "Hey, we want to do this march for Black Lives Matter." He's outspoken. He's vocal. He's the kind of running back you want to kind of lead the way. He will do what he needs to do to be successful and to help the team be successful. I'm sold on the kid. I, I would have loved him to run like a four-four and just to show he's got straight line speed. But, like, what are you going to do? Um, wide receivers. Kevin, this is where it gets weird. Because there's, like, eight guys in this list who I love. It's not like last year where last year there was a ton of good players. and we. I mean, the jury's still out on last year's class. I think Jefferson's going to regress. You you picked Rieger as your breakout stud this year. Um, I think Trey, T. Higgins is going to be a monster. Michael Pittman's. I think Michael Pittman is going to be the worst receiver out of this class. I think he peaked last year already. The guy is the guy is like a one. He's like got that Metcalf syndrome where he runs two routes well, but unlike Metcalf, he doesn't have four four speed, four three speed. So this year it's a lot more easy to figure out who's who. Uh, there's a there's one guy who ran a very fraudulent forty time at the top of this list, and that's what's that's why I'm not as keen on him as I used to be. So, but he's still my number one receiver. Uh, I'll take lead on this one just because it's just gonna be easier. Um, number five, give me. Terrence Marshall Jr. Now, everyone's like talking about Jamar Chase. But the guy who actually played this year for that LSU shit show and their best receiver was this guy. 6'3", 200 pounds, physical guy, can run surprisingly well for his size. I think he's going to be what we all thought Denzel Mims was going to be last year. Definitely more physical. Him and Bateman I have kind of tied for this position here. Because I'm not sold on Tooney. He runs that that, that that Florida offense is fucking stupid. Kyle Pitts was the best player on that team. Everyone else in there's a joke. Um, Bateman and Marshall here are tied for me at five. But really, if I'm going to split hairs here, I, I I hate doing that, but I have to because they're the same player basically. Both are deep threats. Both can get downfield. Both are physical. Both can run. Bateman's a little stockier at six two two ten. Um. They're both great downfield. They're both rank good 40s of the pro day. I'd knock off a 0.6 seconds because of – I mean, 0.06 seconds because of, you know, it's pro day. But um, I, I love them both. Number three, I have Devontae Smith here right – no, no, number five. Four, sorry. Four, Rondell Moore. 
shifty, quick, explosive, everything you want as like that deep threat to Sean Jackson kind of type, the Tyreek Hill type. I think if he goes to a team like a Green Bay who doesn't need the big physical guy, perfect. Um, I would love to see him actually. I mean, he played well when he got the ball, so I'm not going to complain about him. Number three is the Heisman winner. The only reason I have him behind Waddle is I want to see his. I want to see what he does with that lack of size. That's it. I, I think Devontae Smith has so much great potential talent. I really think he's going to be a stud in this league, but I just want to see him either put on a little muscle, show a little suddenness, because it's. I, I'm worried about he's going to have a Henry Ruggs issue, where he's going to get pushed off the line of scrimmage a lot. Number two is Jalen Waddle. I watch more and more tape on this guy, and the more and more I watch, the more and more I hope to sweet lord he's there at 12. Because this guy is a bullet. He's physical for a little guy, and he can just find the seams. It's just like watching a roadrunner. All I want to hear is literally every time I catch the ball, all I hear is beep, beep, bounce, gone. Just, he's just got like stupid fast speed. Number one, his 40 time disappointed me a little bit because Kevin even put it in our chat on our show here. It was the slowest 438, wink, wink, I've ever seen. Looked, I think they timed that it was a 452, which for a six foot, 208 pound receiver is still not bad, but it's not great. He got great. He's got great ball skills, plays the ball high, plays strong. He's very quick and sudden. Jamar Chase is the best receiver in this draft. But I think this receiving core, this receiving class, a little lower than last year's, only only slightly. But I, I that's what I got. My sleeper is um uh I'm gonna say Amari Rogers, a very shifty, very quick um slot receiver out of um Clemson. I watched him butcher teams. Him and Dennis Newsom are just two guys. I think people sleep on way too much. But uh, I'm not really sold on Elijah Morey. I think his story is really cool. I just don't think he's going to be there right away. And I think Tooney's going to be a bust. Floor is yours. Number five, I have Kadarius Tooney. Uh, say what you want about Kyle Pitts taking up tar- – or being the guy, but he was taking up targets. I would like to see what Kadarius Tooney could do. He, I don't know if he can be the number one guy, but if you're taking – if you're taking a guy at the end of the first, you might not necessarily be looking for a number one guy. You did well last year. You have a good receiving core. A number two guy, Green Bay, needs someone to help take pressure off to Devontae Adams. And also, Kadarius Tony did what he did with Kyle Draft as his quarterback. Fair enough. I give him a pass for any shortcomings. If he can do what he did with a guy like Trask. What do you run for his Pro Day 40? Did he run a Pro Day 40? Um, he probably that. ran he probably ran a 4-3 like everyone else in this class. Like, I swear to God, I was, I was reading the 40 times for pro days for all the receivers. And I was like, all right, guys, did they all email each other so we'll all run 4 3 eight. So let's, they, let's let these GMs figure it out for themselves. I mean, Tony's shifty. I'm not going to act like he's not a good – he's going to be a good player, but he's not going to be more than a number three guy to be or number two. Uh, he ran a 4-3-8. Told you. His official time, though, was 4-4-1. Okay, so he's he's fast. It's just like I think he's gonna be a good number two guy. I, I mean, honestly, he could prove me wrong. He could be better than Rondell Moore. I don't know. But eleven foot four inch vertical uh, rod jump. Woof. Okay, so the kid's a freak athlete. Forty one inch vertical. Can't fake a vertical. So 
Um, so, all right. I'll bite. You might have convinced me otherwise. I don't think he's going to be a bust, but he's got to go to the right system. True. Uh, number four, I mean, he's hyped for a reason. Rondell Moore out of Purdue. I, I think he's going to be good. Uh, a little undersized, but, I mean, look at the other guys in this draft. It's not that surprising anymore. Uh, number three, and it pains me to do this. It really, really, really does. Jalen Waddle. Okay. Came back after missing most of the season. Was just as fast, if not faster. He was a little stiff in the national championship game, but that's expected. Played out of his mind when he was healthy. Craziest play I've ever seen in my life. Jalen Waddle returning a punt. Fucking defender grabs his face mask and rips it back. Almost snaps his neck. No call. Jalen Waddle goes, you know what? Fine. Returns it for a touchdown. I love Jalen Waddle, but... Number two, Jamar Chase. I think he's good regardless of the 40-time shenanigans. I think him not be—he could not have saved the LSU Tigers this year, but it was a loss this year. Uh, I I think he's going to be good at the next level. But number one is Devontae Smith. He was the first Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver in 29 years, for God's sake. His weight does not bother me. You know why it doesn't bother me? Because it didn't bother Nick Saban. If Nick Saban thought this man was gentle and couldn't take it, he would not have him on special teams. I might say I'm not saying I'm not worried, but I'm thinking it's just gonna, he's going to need a, a like a couple of weeks a couple of weeks to get in there. I think also for it's going to be. I'm also looking long term. Honestly, I think Waddle and Smith will have better careers than Chase only because they're not going to go to shit teams. No, I mean, Smitty also can do whatever you ask him. You want him to go deep? He can do that. He's fast enough. You want him to run an inside route and get a short gain? He can do that. He has the hands. He has the route running ability. He can do whatever you ask of him. Listen, if if my team is sitting at 12 and I pick either of them, Kevin, I'm the happiest man alive. We'll be celebrating. I'll be yelling, roll tide, drunk off my ass, screaming and yelling, like, roll tide. Like, like I'm hype, okay? I will admit, the three, the best three receivers in this draft, pick them in any order you want. If if, if somehow Jamar Chase falls there, I even put Kyle Pitts as possibly a wide receiver. Because they may run a 4-4. Come on. It's like, that's not fair. He's but like, like vintage Jimmy Graham. I would say vintage like Vernon Davis with Jimmy Graham's body, but yeah. <laughs> well, no, because Jimmy Graham was at the Saints. It was a big question about when he was getting franchise tag. Am I a tight end? Am I a wide receiver? I was just going to say how 40 time alone he's Vernon Davis, but because Vernon Davis was a freak. Fair. And then my sleeper is Elijah Moore. I know it was the air raid. And I, but that man did unholy things in eight games, 86 receptions, 1,193 yards, four or eight touchdowns. Touchdown number is a little low, but also 14 rushes, 64 yards. He can do a lot for a team, and I think that that's the way the NFL is going. They don't necessarily want I can do this. They want a guy who can do a lot for them, and I think Elijah Moore has a place in this modern NFL. I think the modern way to draft now, and this is something we learned with DK Metcalf, was what can you do? Not what you can't do, it's what can you do. If you think of a player you're drafting, what can't you do, then you'll never find the right guy. If you think what can you do, you always have weapons. Speaking of what can you do, let's talk tight ends here. 
This is where it gets weird. We all know who number one is, so we don't have to worry about it. It's Kyle, we're, we can agree. It's Kyle Pitts, the right? Number one, Kyle Pitts. Uh, actually, I think it's Pat Fremijedeb. All right, stop. A- stop it. <laughs> I know why you said that. Don't even get me started. Um, so we'll get into it. Uh, number five, I got Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. He was Ian Book's favorite weapon. Good big play threat. I, I mean, I watched him twice this year. Both times he played great, had a lot of catches. Tight ends are weird to evaluate because, like, tight ends, you, like, look at, like, look at guys like uh, Darren Waller and George Kittle. George Kittle did not catch a single damn ball. He caught, like, maybe 20 balls total in college, and he's the best tight end in the league. Travis Kelsey had partying issues at Cincinnati. Like, and, like, these some of these top tight ends, like, come in the league and they're dog shit. So, we don't know what's going to happen. Um... Number three, number four is Hunter Long out of Boston College. I can't even pronounce the Boston College quarterback's name right now. But he was their best weapon. I, I loved watching him. I watched BC once this year when they almost pulled off the upset against Clemson. Or it might have been Notre Dame. It was one of the two. And I watched Hunter Long catch a lot of ball, make a lot of big plays. So I was okay with that. Number three is Pat Firamuth. I okay, so I get it. The six five two sixty is a big dude, right? He doesn't pop on film. I don't. I mean, like, yeah, he's a big, he's a good tight end. He's got all the right things, but I don't see him make the big plays. And that's why the guy who I have ranked above him at two is ranked at two, not because he went to my school, the school I root for, not my school, because you know I'm too poor to go there. But it's because the guy who's ranked ahead of him made the plays when he was on the field, and that's Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan was like one of the highest ranked recruiting tight ends out of um, Bishop Groman over in Las Vegas. Three years in Miami, was a premier weapon every single year, except for this year when he was out for most of the season with like an injury. But Jordan is that weird type of tight. He's like a similar, he's Kyle Pitts light. That's what we're going to say he is. He's Kyle Pitts light. He's not as fast, not as big, but he's just as shifty. He can play wide receiver and tight end. He was Miami's best weapon in space. He, he's big, physical enough, but he also can move. I think the 40 time was a little deceiving. Don't buy that 4-7. I think he's a lot faster. I think the, the 40 time was a little – I think the 40 time was bad. Um, but, yeah, Brevin Jordan I still think is number two tight end. I think whoever gets Jordan in the late rounds. Also, Miami just produces tight ends. Even – like, come on. As far back as, like, Jeremy Shockey, they've, oh, Greg Olson, even – Chris Herndon and David and Joku, like you're, yeah, they're like rotation guys, but they're still like a like good talent. So Brevin Jordan's my number two, and number one, Kyle fucking Pitts. I'm not even gonna do a sleeper because it's tight ends. I guess what, like Nate Eubanks from Michigan because he's got a great name. That's it. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Kyle Pitts, the best tight end in this. He's, I, I think, honestly, the best player in this draft class. But Cap floor, George. I, I mean. Yeah, it's tight ends. Uh, they don't get a lot of attention, even less than offensive linemen. I feel like they are, like you said, very hard to judge. I don't care that pages are unresponsive right now. Uh, Tommy, I I don't love Notre Dame, but Tommy Tremble, Hunter, I, I, I did not do any scouting on tight ends. So I, I do have opinions on the top three. 
Tommy Tremble, Hunter Long, fine. You know, they're just wait. Laptop, Jesus, I don't care. <laughs> fine, I'll close out of those. Um, Brevin Jordan, a good athlete. Don't get me wrong, I understand. Six two, two six foot two and a half, two forty seven, fast. I still think he's number three because Pat Freyermuth is a do-it-all guy. He's like 6'5", 250. 6'5", 251, sorry. He ran a 4'18 shuttle, so he's athletic. He can block. He's a good receiver, and he's athletic, and he's a leader on the team. That's what the best you can ask for out of a tight end. That's a, and I'm not saying they're going to be a player. That's a Gronk mold. Can receive, can block, is athletic. I see it. But everyone has been looking for the next Gronk since Gronk. And I, I, I just, I don't I'm see it on film. The next Gronk. I'm just saying he, it, it's a similar mold. And that's what everyone's looking for. So if you can fit that mold, it's fine. Obviously, Kyle puts it one. And then on name alone, Pro Wells at a TCU. Fair enough. Stop people. All right. Last, finally, offensive line. Um, Number five, I have Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. Dude's a freak athlete. <laughs> I'm sorry. An offensive lineman shouldn't be that quick. Uh, it's just not fair. I watched him. Kevin turned, said, hey, check out this video on Alex Leatherwood. I was like, oh. I love big boys who can move. I love my man Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. Like, I love athletic linemen. Alex Leatherwood fits that bill. Um, Number four, I've got Elijah Vera Tucker at a USC. The guy's basically a guard but can play tackle. I think he's the best interior lineman here, unless you put Sewell at guard, which would be stupid. But um, he's definitely one of those guys you can just kind of rely on just to absolutely just – he's just a good lineman. I mean, he kept whoever the hell the head quarterback at USC upright. His tape's fine. As an offensive line, it's hard to evaluate tape, even because I played offensive line, and I still just look for shit, and it's like, oh, great, he held up a block. Awesome. It's not, it's hard to see. You actually have to look and, like, slow everything down to make sure, like, the footwork's great. Um, Number three, I have Darisaw here. I don't get why his hype is so much, why he's flown up board so fast. I don't get it, because Virginia Tech's blocking this year was not great. As an offensive line, they were not great. Because Miami lit them up like a Christmas tree. So did Clemson, at least pass rushing-wise. I don't know about the actual game itself. Um, number two, Rashawn Slater. Dude, front squat at like 400 pounds. Enough said. <laughs> I mean, I also just – I love his his build. He played in the Big Ten. A lot of good pass rushers out of that conference. Now, that, that Northwestern team was not bad, and he was probably the best player on the field for them. So I, I got to give Rashawn – besides their safety. So – I got to give uh, Rashawn Slater, or no, the corner, sorry. Rashawn Slater is my number two. And number one, regardless of where you have him going or where he should play, I think Sewell is the best offensive lineman. I'm sorry. He just, when he's on, on the field, he is a presence, and he is a good blocker. I, I think he's very athletic. I think, honestly, right tackle might be the position for him early, unless he can make the adjustment, because left tackle is a very strategic position. So, 
but Sewell Sewell is just like he's the best. I'm sorry. He in my sleeper is the man who I saw do a damn cartwheel behind the reporter, Landon Dickerson, man. Oh, I I really hope the Eagles get him in the third round for center because I want he's big, he's a ball of fun, he fits that Jason Kelsey athletic center mold. I want him on my team. So yeah, um, give me a Landon Dickerson there, Kevin. Offensive lineman. Uh, number five, Landon Dickerson. There you go. You, you saw him do a cartwheel. Beyond a reporter, right? Yeah. That was like five months, maybe even less, might have been four, removed from an ACL tear. Yeah. He, with that torn ACL, by the way, he went into the national championship game to get some snaps in. Why Florida State let this man go is beyond me, but I'm happy for it. Phenomenal blocker, phenomenal guy. It's great. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, good guard. Uh, not much you can say about him. Then uh, not in a bad way. It's just he's a good guard. I I also don't get the Darisaw hype. I'm gonna be honest with you. I actually I could put him at four. You could convince me to put Tucker ahead of him. Nah, Pac-12 versus uh, ACC. It's kind of like take your poison at that point. Outside of Clemson and kind of Miami, not really, the ACC is worse than the Pac-12. I will debate you on that one, but not, for, not today. We're doing draft stuff. Um, um, and then Rayshon Slater, uh, the guy that, unless the Bengals listen to the idiot Joe Burrow, who's like, oh, I want Jamar Chase, while sporting the scar from his knee surgery, should take... Unless Sewell falls, is yeah, I love Big Ten defensive linemen. <laughs> Big Ten offensive linemen are also phenomenal. They put out some really good players. Some damn and hogs, man. <clears throat> it's those those corn-fed farm boys, man. I don't know what to tell you. And then, yeah, Penny Sewell, number one, 6'6", <clears throat> six, six, 330, pretty athletic for a guy that – he's really athletic for a guy that big. Uh, I am 100% sold on Sewell. And my sleeper, Alex Leatherwood, not really a sleeper, but that guy can do so much. I watched him at Alabama. He's so good. Okay, I I, I like that. One guy who I don't get why he's ranked at five is Tevin Jenkins because I watched Oklahoma State play Miami, and our backup ends were beating him. That's all I'll say. I don't know. I don't get some draft analysis. Also, I could have put Leatherwood at five and Landon Dickerson as a sleeper, but I want something a little different than you. Fair enough. I'm just looking, I'm just looking for next week because next week we're doing edge. This is the dumbest. Okay, their edge ranking in CBS are bullshit. I'm sorry. I do not get the Quiddy Pay. Uh, how, do you, how do you pronounce his name? I don't get his tape. His tape is not that impressive. The kid out of Georgia is not even that good either. Like, holy shit. They are real. They are doing my boy Jalen Phillips so dirty. Phillips, Phillips was just like, okay, so I will say this. We're going to do edge rushers. That will be the first thing next week. But Jalen Phillips, why I love him so much is his motor is nonstop. This dude will take on a double team and just drive his feet and try to break it. You know how I love whose draft stock tanked, Kevin? Greg Rousseau. His draft stock fell like a lead balloon. Which I said it would when he opted out. 
I know, we agreed on this. Like, Quincy Roche, who basically played only about eight out of the ten games for Miami, he's almost catching up to it, which I think is hysterical. Roche, by the way, might be a good sleeper for some teams who need a good rotation guy because Roche is so quick. Holy shit. I'm happy we got him as a grad transfer. But, yeah, no, I think Rousseau, his biggest problem was— Save it for that, next week. I know. All right, sorry. You, you got me talking. I got myself talking Miami, so. All right. Uh, do you have anything weird for me? Uh, did you know that David Ortiz hit more home runs per at bat, at bat than Hank Aaron? That doesn't surprise me because Hank Aaron played for basically eternity. So yeah. RIP, also, RIP I don't have anything weird. I just noticed that while playing the show earlier. David Ortiz hit a home run every 16 at bats. Hank Aaron hit one every 16.4 at bats. That's a cool stat. That is technically weird. Um, let's kick that smooth jazz. It's time for the last call, ladies and gentlemen. With the release of the show today, and I am so excited, I'm I'm making a call to EA Sports. Gentlemen, ladies, whatever the hell you identify yourselves as, I'll just call you schmucks. That works. Um, you idiots need to figure out Madden and figure out NCAA. Get this ball rolling. NCAA fo- baseball has made its return to the Xbox. It's a glorious day in gaming. 2K12... 2K13, 2K11, three of the greatest baseball games I've ever played in my life. But you you dudes finally gave us Microsoft and Sony. God bless you. God bless your houses. God bless your families. You gave us the show for Xbox. I'm going to be a happy man listening to those jabronis who do the play-by-play for Madden. And I have to hear Charles Davis and Kevin Gotten on Madden. So this is the EA Sports for Madden 22. I don't give a shit who's in the cover. It could be goddamn Sister Jean from Loyola, Maryland, Loyola, Chicago, for all I care. It doesn't matter. Fix. Face the franchise. Fix franchise mode. For the love of God, me and Kevin and the boys are in season 25 of our fr- 23 of our franchise. And the, the servers are falling apart. I mean, then again, I don't think we're supposed to make it this far. Um, no, 100% we're not. <laughs> I know. I think I think the whole running joke is we're gonna go until the servers kick out on us. Uh, I swear to God, they better have Road to Glory. Better be like the greatest game mode of all time when they bring whatever the hell they do for uh, story mode for NCAA um, or college football, whatever the hell they call it. Um, guy, just EA Sports, step your game up, man. You make one, you make two games. FIFA, which I don't play because I'm terrible at it. Uh, I, I go, yes, Chell, but one terrible at it. So Madden and NCAA football, that's your games. Sony and 2K got the other sports locked down. Fix it, please. No more shoddy sports games. This is bullshit. Because the show is legendary. Kevin, you've been playing it all day, right? Yes. And your opinion? Uh, It's amazing. There you go. Step your game up. I was mad I scheduled an intern interview at 11 o'clock because I had to stop playing the show. I'm mad I scheduled a job interview for 3 o'clock now that I know I have off tomorrow. I might literally, like, wake up, edit this podcast, and then just play for three hours and go to the gym and then drive straight to Orange from there for a job interview. (laughs) So, all right, folks, that wraps it up for the Corner with Pod. I'm your host, Jerry Clem. Alongside my number two, my main man, Mr. Kev. 
Uh, the intern and Pat will be back Thursday for our live stream when we do our mock draft. <gasps> oh, this shit gonna be crazy, dog. We're gonna do. We're gonna have. We're gonna be timed though. I'm gonna have Samir. Samir's gonna get a timer with sound effects and everything. And we're going to make sure that me and Kevin don't ramble for three fucking minutes. Or basically me ramble for five minutes. Um, that about wraps it up. Uh, we'll catch you all next week. Peace! Hey guys, Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly of Podcast Network.